Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. David Krejci draws Austin Watson, now Heinen to McAvoy, he scores! Yo, bartender, your food needs a refill! the stop. Marchand ahead to Bergeron has Marchand busting down the middle. Scores! Patrice Bergeron with the Bruins' third shorthanded goal of the season. Treat me right fucking now! McAvoy finds DeBrus behind DeLaurier! You. Got stinking shit face on the bus. Louise left me, and that son of a bitch over there keeps playing me when he knows I'm shit face. Hey, Bruins fans, guess what? We are back. Another Beers and Bruins podcast. This is episode number eight. Got a really exciting guest uh, with me this week. Um, we've been talking for about a week and a half now to get some plans. But um, before I, I introduce her, I, I'd like to just mention that um, uh, this BS and Bruins podcast is currently looking for uh, sponsorship opportunities. So if uh, you have a, a beer store or you are a beer brewer or you have a brewery, uh, please get in touch with me. Um, uh, black and gold hockey blog dot, I mean, black and gold hockey blog at gmail.com. Uh, let me know if uh, we can help you out to uh, get you get the word out about your product and uh, service. So We'd love to uh, love to talk to you and, and possibly get a show sponsorship for for a whole year. So uh, let me know if that's uh, if we could do something for you. Um, and without further ado, I, I gotta I gotta uh, invite Sharon Dietz. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at r o n a d i a. Sharon, welcome to the show and thank you so much for the time. Oh yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. This is so cool. Yeah, is, it, is this your first podcast? It is, yeah. I'm breaking everybody in lately. It's, this is great. I mean, this is just a it's a it's a great um, way to get your voice out. You know what I mean? And and 
it's I, I just love talking hockey and I love beer so um, it's just a great combination and, and to have somebody like yourself join me and take the time to just sit and relax and have a great conversation about the Bruins and what's going on during the offseason and expectations into the uh, upcoming 2018-19 campaign it, it's actually really good so uh, I, I enjoy doing it and I enjoy people uh, like yourself to come on so I yeah saw that you were doing that like you know when you first started it I thought it was such a great idea you know to kind of get out there and start talking to the fans and stuff I, I was I was really excited because I was like ooh, maybe you know maybe I can get myself on there absolutely and, and like I said I think I bring it up a couple times but we court and Rob we just have Rob Rob's over in England and and courts in in Toronto and we just have a real small window because when we do our our uh, black and gold hockey podcast it's at three o'clock in the afternoon so that's like eight o'clock for rob right and, and 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 courts um uh family life you know the baby and so on and and it, we're trying to bounce in between nap times and so on to get the get the show done so we really have a really small window and we really would love to have fans come on but that that we can only talk for an hour and we don't want to take up so much time that we don't you know, cover some certain, um, some really interesting topics, you know, even though we do find all our fans and listeners interested, interesting, but we just, I just kind of wanted to break away and just say, listen, you know what, maybe we can do something else to bring the fans in. And I just thought this would be a great idea and, and a relaxing, comforting um, uh, discussion while we enjoy a beverage. Right. <laughs> so let me ask you, um, and and I, this is this tradition, as you know. So I, I, I always do this right up to the mic. Oh. Nice, nice crack. Ah, nice. That that sounded good on the recording. <laughs> okay. uh, what are you enjoying tonight, uh, Sharon? I am drinking a Castle Island uh, IPA called Keeper. Nice. Yeah. Do you know where it's brewed? I think it's in Norwood. Is that Mass? Yes. So are are you from the Massachusetts area? I am, yeah. Um, I actually I grew up in South Boston and Nantasket Beach. Um, went to school at UMass out in Amherst, and uh, and then I lived out in California for a really long time. I just recently moved back. Nice. Well, welcome home. Thank you. It's great to be back. Yeah. Um, I am drinking. Um, I I am from the uh, northeastern. Uh, part of Massachusetts. So, I mean, are you familiar with Salisbury and Newburyport? I know where they are, yeah. Okay, well, I'm up the uh, right up near the New Hampshire border, and I am enjoying a, a Plum Island uh, Belgian White. Oh, and nice. It is a fantastic uh, beer. Um, would love to have them sponsor the show, but anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's a good Belgian, and um, I, I, I have like four to six of these, and I'm feeling really good, so <laughs> <laughs> it's a good experience. Um, so uh, let's just jump right in and, and, you know, in in your travels, like you said, you, you're coming from California. Um, have you always been a Bruins fan, no matter where you've been across the, uh, the United States? Oh, 100%. Nice. And, um, have you, have you gotten any, now in California, were you close to LA or Anaheim or San Jose at all? I was uh, in Los Angeles, so I got to see um, – anytime the Bruins were in L.A., I tried to see them if I was in town. Uh, so I've seen them a couple of times play the Kings out there. And that's Staples Center, correct? Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah, I um, I used to follow the Kings quite often when the uh, Manchester Monarchs were in Manchester. And then oh, they, they did the whole um, switch, you know, the East Coast Hockey League. They, uh, they switched their Ontario affiliate, which was the East Coast League, and they brought that to Manchester. And then Manchester brought their American Hockey League and went out there to Ontario. So it was a... And it, 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 I really liked the, the hockey and I got really attached because I, I got to see all these players in Manchester and then go to LA. So I just started, you know, it's like, Hey, Bruins start at seven o'clock. LA Kings are like 10, 10 30. That's like right. perfect for me to get right out of a Bruins game and just sit down and watch the LA Kings. So yeah. But unfortunately the, the American hockey league moved out there and pretty much my passion for LA kind of went with it. So, uh, and then I really started dedicating um, a lot more time to everything Bruins and, you know, the writing, the podcasts, and, and it's just, it's crazy, but I love it. And I, I wouldn't give it up one minute. Yeah. I just recently, like last year was kind of the first year that I really fully followed the Providence Bruins. Like I sub- uh, subscribed to the AHL network and I started really watching their games as much as I could so and I mean I I watch the Bruins wherever I am I've I've got the NHL game center so I can watch them wherever I am so which is cool awesome um you'll probably be happy to know that the did you hear about the American Hockey League TV yes is that that awesome that is awesome because I'm not I'm just so pumped that I'm not forking over 140 150 dollars anymore to watch one team home and away now we can seventy nine dollars. I can watch the whole league. I know it's crazy. It's awesome, and I and I I'm really psyched because I, as you know, I, I watch a ton of hockey, and, and especially when it's related to Bruins prospects. So, um, the a the WHL, the OHL, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League all are on that new Leon uh, subscription. You know the one that you used to have was so expensive. Oh, uh-huh. They, they do the same thing up there. And from my understanding, from talking to uh, uh, my friend Guy Flaming, who does a fantastic uh, podcast on um, uh, prospects, uh, minor pro prospects, uh, said that the uh, WHL is currently on their last season with um, Newlyan, and um, they are probably going to start seeking cheaper options for people to watch hockey. So I'm really pumped about that. Oh, that's really cool. And hopefully it goes all the way across to the Quebec Major Junior League and I can watch, you know, all that too and keep it right because it's crazy. I mean, sometimes, I hate to say it, it's like a little less than $1,000 for me to watch all this hockey. And, yeah. And, <laughs> I know, it's crazy. But now now it's going to be like a couple hundred dollars, you know, $79 mem- uh, uh, subscriptions. It's so much easier. Yeah, and it's great now too that they're going to have that app where you can, you know, put it on Apple TV or – yeah. Um, so that's great. Yeah, you put it on the big sixty inch. Yeah, and I, I really hope that the the quality is much better because I was I was thoroughly disappointed in every year because I've been doing the uh, watching the Providence Bruins uh, pretty much every game for like six years now, and the quality was just it's very very bad. Yeah, and it it, kind, it kind of pissed me off. It, it's so bad, but the Providence Bruins were always like fourth ranked in in attendance. So um, hopefully the new uh, scoreboard that's going in in Providence will kind of give that um, HD feel. And I'm not sure if it's going to be related or not, but uh, right. I'm hoping that the, the quality gets much better. And also, I'm really hoping that they get 
back onto the radio. Yeah, me too. Because that was one of the most annoying things watching the games was you had to listen to the away broadcast because they didn't have a radio play by play. So that was kind of unfortunate. Yeah, and and it's, uh, it's so hard to get excited when when you when you're hearing the the road team called game <laughs> and the Bruins score and it's like oh and the Bruins scored. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's yeah. no there's no hype. There's nothing. It's just I I'm I'm really hoping that they do something. And, and I know Providence is notoriously. Um, popular for not being very fan friendly when it comes to stuff like this and upgrades but oh really yeah hopefully hopefully they come around i mean it, it is for us and 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 the show is for us and families and so on and, and it, we just deserve a little bit better but yeah i would agree uh speaking of better or worse I would love to get your opinion on this Bruins team and um what they did over the summer are you are you happy with the moves or would you, did you think that they should have done more? I'm okay. I'm actually, I'm okay with them. Um, because I feel like if they're really truly going to, you know, kind of embrace the whole youth movement and everything, then I'm, I'm fine with what they've done because I want to see, you know, I definitely want to see a lot more of the younger kids. I mean, there's a, there's not a ton of, roster spaces right now so it's going to be a little difficult but I'm I mean I've I feel okay with what they've done I don't you know I don't I didn't really feel like they needed to make a huge splash in the off season anyway so and after watching the you know the few preseason games that I've seen I mean granted you know the most of the guys have only played uh, two games so far, but I mean, I think the signing of John Moore was great. I mean, so far he seems to be pretty decent, so I'm okay with that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that you know one of the younger prospects is able to crack the either the third line center or um, or you know one of the the wing positions so we'll see what happens but i'm yeah i mean i i'm pretty okay with what they've done so far yeah i i, I definitely have to agree with you that i'm okay with it too because and you've probably heard me say this on on a previous bs and bruins or even our black and gold hockey podcast that they you know last season they had 112 points but the summer before that during that off season they didn't do anything and I really just want to see consistency. So if these young kids, like you say, like they have a spot, like the right, the right side needs addressing and the third line center needs addressing. So there's obviously uh, going to be challenges for that during this camp and these preseason games as the Bruins uh, manage, uh, management and coaching staff evaluate uh, thoroughly. So, but um, I just, I, I didn't like, like if they don't, and I'm not saying that they have to get to 112 points or they even have to get to the second round of the playoffs. I just want to see some consistency during the regular season to show me that I'm fully, I love the youth movement. I'm, I'm all for it, but I want to be fully bought into it. And with the consistency um, and, and if they show up next season and either blow my mind or, come close to what they did last year. I'm, I'm happy with that. And I don't think that they should really go out and, and, you know, blow up the team to acquire one or two assets just for a Stanley cup run. Um, 
I'm the kind of person that really likes to sit back and just say, listen, you know, we, this is this is a positive step. Even though a lot of the rah-rahs out there are like, we need a cop and we need to make this move, we need to do it now. Those are the impatient people that, that I believe Don Sweeney preaches to that just says, listen, this, there's a system involved and and there's a way we have to do things. And, it, you know, even though that they plan on winning a cup every season, that's the goal. But the expectations of management sometimes are not always that high. Right. Well, yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's the goal of, you know, all the 30 other teams as well is to win the Stanley Cup at the beginning of the season. But, I mean, I have to say I've been a, I've been somewhat impressed with how, well, at least the – especially the, the domestic games at, you know – well, not so much the domestic games actually. I mean, the two Washington games were 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 – pretty decent. I mean, as far as like the younger kids and everything, but with even the younger kids that they brought over to China, I mean, they seem to be, they seem to be holding their own and you know, granted they, it is preseason, but I feel that Calgary brought a lot of their veteran players over there. Mm-hmm. So I thought that they played pretty, I'm now granted yesterday or actually this morning's game, like that second period was just, I mean, that was just atrocious, but, um, but, you know, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, so it, you, I, I'm I'm a very optimistic about the players that they currently have in their system and what the potential of these guys are. So, yeah. And, and like you like you mentioned, um, the, the two Washington games, um, I thought, you know, a player like Zach Senish and uh, who is still with the team and, and, and made the, the, you know, made the cut so far. I, I still believe that he's going to go down and play another year in, in the American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins. But like guys like Trent Frederick, I thought I thought he's been playing good. Um, Senishin, like I said, uh, Donato, uh, Studnika. You know, there's a lot of these kids that are, are really uh, you know pushing for spots and availability, and it, 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 that's always a good thing to happen because you, you, your prospect pool is so prosperous, and, and it, it took a while to get there. I think Don Sweeney's done a masterful job of putting things together when it comes to drafting and, and replenishing that, that prospect pool. Um, so you, for the remaining games of the, uh, the preseason, it's going to be exciting to see who really wants it. And, and for my money, honestly, I, like if you, if you wanted to go position to position, I'd say that, like my favorite would be JFK um, on that third line center. And then second would be Frederick. And obviously um, uh, Jack Sunika would be third. I just think that Jack needs a little more work off the puck. When he has the puck, I've seen him do amazing things, but I just think he has to round out his full game. Yeah, I would agree. I definitely think that JFK has a step on the other, um, you know, Frederick and Stadnika definitely, especially Stadnika. Um, like you said, I, you know, he, do, he has done some pretty decent things, but, you know, with the puck and everything, but I still think that he, he definitely needs to run out his game. And it's unfortunate that he can't go to the AHL because I feel like, I mean, I ultimately, I think he's going to end up going back to Oshawa, but I, I think that, I mean, you know, and he'll probably dominate there again. So I just don't know how much more he can do there, but because he can't go to the AHL, that's really the only of a choice for him. And then, um, and then Senishin, I I was so glad that he had the game that he had today because seeing like, I mean, it, 
I get people's frustration with him, um, you know, because he was picked where he was. And, you know, and I saw today on Twitter, like some some things, you know, just like, you know, because he was picked before Barzal. And and to be honest with you, I think the Bruins made the right choice. So um, I watch I watch a ton of hockey. I try, you know, I mean, obviously I watch all of the Bruins, but I also watch a lot of other, you know, other games and stuff just because I love the game. And I don't know. I mean, I personally think that I'm okay with, you know, the choices that they made during that draft. So, um, so I was glad that he had the game that he did. So, yeah, I was too. I mean, two, two goals. One was, a um, what, what most hockey players call is a garbage goal. I mean, you know, but it still counted. Yeah. But that first one I was very yeah. impressed with. I mean, he, I mean, he showed his speed and, and broke right in, took the shot and, and, the goaltender like forced the rebound way. I want to say I'm just uh, to the right. Okay, I'm 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 using my hands here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, forced the puck to the right, and and he had the 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 intelligence and the hand speed to get that rebound and backhand it right back into the net. And I thought that that was really good. And you know, I hate to say it, but that that was my shit sandwich to a lot of these the haters was you know. This is the stock kind of stuff that you need to see on a regular basis. A lot of the people, and I've said this to my friend Brandon Shea Cohen, which is a he's a fantastic Bruins writer. I had him on the show a couple times. Oh yeah, I follow him. Yeah, he's great. Um, you know, it's, it you can't give up on a kid like this because I mean he's he was a reach, believe it or not. He was a reach. I mean, I think the Bruins could have gotten him in the second round. Maybe somebody else could have gotten him, but. I mean, definitely reach it at the first, but he's got two years remaining on his entry-level contract. And I think that this next year, I think that he's got a real shot to play top six minutes and really show what he can do. Because, like I was talking to Brandon earlier, when Seneshin, in his first year with the Sioux Greyhounds of the Ontario Hockey League, um, he was playing under uh, Sheldon Keefe. And Sheldon uh, put him on the fourth line and and... How many fourth liners? Not many in the NHL, but I mean, I don't know how many in the in the in the minor development um, get twenty six goals as a as a fourth line role player. And then Sheldon Keith goes to the uh, Toronto Marlies, which is the uh, the Maple Leafs uh, affiliate. Yeah. And then Drew Bannister comes in and then moves him up. Also, because the two Greyhounds were so deep with talent that year that there really wasn't room for him at a top six. But they got to see what he can do at a bottom six role. Then right. they moved him up to a top six. And he's and he's and he and the next two seasons he was putting in over forty goals. So my my thing is is like I think this is the same thing that Jay Leach is doing with him. Because last season, as a first-year pro, started off in the in the uh, in the bottom six role. Most of the season played that. I think this season, as a second-year pro, I think he's going to see top six minutes, and I think he's really going to uh, show a lot of people that you know he wasn't a bust. And and I know so many other uh, professional analysts they they say this all the time, but you know there's a lot more teams than Boston that passed on Kyle Connor, Barzell, uh, and all these other great talents that got picked before him. Yeah, no kidding. And I'm I'm hoping that you're right as far as, you know, Senishin down in Providence because I really hope that they start utilizing him in a top six role because I think if they do, then I think that he could have a really, really good year. Absolutely. I mean, the kid's got, he's got speed. 
and he's got great hands. Um, obviously, a kid that his age, I mean, 20, 20, 21 area, I'm not really sure his age, but, you know, there's always room for growth. And I mean, uh, muscle mass and, and weight. You know, he's, he's got to dig a little bit more in the corners. Um, you know, he's, he's really good when he's open. Uh, and when he's, uh, when he's covered, it, 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 every, every development player just needs a little, you know, more work in, in certain areas. You know, you're not going to come out of the draft a complete player. You know, I mean, how many times do you see McDavid's and Matthews just come out and be like, you know, this, this, you don't get many of those people. They're, they're very few and far between. Yeah, exactly. Those types of players are like, you know, once every couple of years or whatever, if you're lucky. So and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of the current prospects need, you know, to be a little bit stronger on the puck and, you know, be a little bit more, you know, I mean, battle a little bit more. And, you know, I mean, that's just that's just what they have to do to round out their game and everything. And he's no different. So. Yeah, but definitely looking forward to more preseason games. These guys getting a little more evaluation time and then i mean today they made uh i believe it was 12 cuts yeah i saw that yeah, yeah not just... really surprising yeah no not at all um uh i knew kyle keezer um like you like you mentioned about jack Sinica in his age i knew kyle was gonna uh goaltender kyle keezer was going to go back to oshawa uh because he's a 19 year old so um and and daniel bukash i i I'm really high on him, but I'm kind of disappointed in, in his in his uh, progression. I know yeah. he's, I know Didn't he's got see. a lot more to give, but um, you know we'll see. And also, he's going to be on a new team this year. He's gonna, uh, last season he was with the Brandon Wheat Kings. This year he's going to be in the Ontario Hockey League with the Niagara Ice Dogs. So I'm I'm curious, and I'm I'm going to pay attention to uh, to his games uh, with Niagara and see if there's any difference in systems that make him play a little better mm, okay um the other one i wanted to talk to was about goaltending um and not only at the nhl level but also at the at the um the american hockey league level and and, and i'm i'm not sure what's going to happen to zane mcintyre i believe that there's a lot of people out there that still want to give him a chance uh, and I want to give him a chance, but I just don't see in the cards that he gets any NHL games this year. The only time I can actually see this happening is if the Bruins are really bad and they're not going to be in the playoffs. I think later on in the season, uh, in, in the spring, that he might get that call. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Not because I don't want to see him get games and get exposure. I just don't want to see the Bruins be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine that they would have to be pretty bad for that to happen. But it does, it does, I mean, I, th I was thinking about this at work, and I, I know I, I jotted down a couple notes uh, at work while, while I was a little bit of downtime. It, but it does bring up a certain situation, though. It's like, we just got done talking about Kyle Keezer and him being 19 years old. Well, he's going to go back there and play. He's, he's going to progress. He's going to get better. And I think he's going to have even better numbers than his career season. I really hope the kid doesn't get two more concussions um, like he did last year. But I mean, oh, wow. yeah, he got trucked. He got trucked. I mean, wow. they, they crashed the net on him and, and like one of them was like a knee to the head. And then, oh my God. And then the whiplash brought it back and then it hit the post. Oh, wow. So it was like, a, a, I don't I can't even explain it, but um, uh, 
the second one was pretty much the same thing, but it was more of a body, just complete like body check. And you know, those minor leagues, they 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 skate hard and fast, and you know, he just wasn't prepared for it. He was watching the puck and not the body. Um, right. So hopefully, I I I get to talk to him at um at development camp and 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 the recent rookie camp in the locker room, and he just he seems like. He's he's fine. He's better. He's he's done a lot of different things. Uh, obviously, um, uh, you know, trainers and so on are constantly going to monitor him and make sure that he's okay. Uh, and and I hope he does okay because he he is a good prospect. But here's the thing that I have a problem with is he's 19 years old. He's got one more year of eligibility in the OHL. So now Dan Vladar is going to be split in time with with Zane McIntyre this season. Mm. See you see where I'm going? Yeah, yeah. What do you do with McIntyre? I mean, does McIntyre does he sit down with with management and say, "Listen, if I can't get in the pro level, I don't want to resign here." And is that such a bad thing? I mean, I don't I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, cuz I don't you know, Halak is here for 2 years. I don't really see him going anywhere um, to make room for McIntyre should he, you know, want to move up. And then if, and I don't think, I mean, have they ever, have they ever had a time where they had, they were kind of rotating three goalies down in the AHL? See, that's, see, that's the, it's, they have done it. Like Calgary did it a couple of years ago with, with three mm-hmm. goaltenders because, if they let one go, somebody somebody's going to be circling above like a like a like a crow, you know, with a dead animal on the road to come <laughs> down and swoop down and pick them up. So they were afraid of losing a person like that or a right. player like that and a young developing prospect that could be something special. Yeah. So they just didn't want to let him go. But running three goaltenders really hinders development, in my opinion. I'm a goaltender. I I played net for. Uh, over 30 years. I retired oh. six, five, six years ago. I just can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm 42 now and, and my, my knees, my back, and I'm just, you know, I'd rather write about hockey and, and not, not deal with the pain anymore. I mean, I still skate <laughs> once in a while, but I don't play goal anymore just because everything just, the next day is always the worst. <laughs> right. But, um, running three goaltenders, it really hinders development because everybody's fighting for time. And in the American Hockey League schedule, you know, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. I mean, you technically could run three and play one on Friday, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. But then you're only seeing game time per. Once a week. Once yeah. a week. And then you practice in the rest of the week. And you, I mean, practice is good. Practice is always good. And that's what I like about the American Hockey League and the Providence Bruins is let's uh, scratch that. What I really don't like about it is because is they they see too many teams all the time. Like they play Springfield twelve times. They play Bridgeport twelve times. You know it it gets kind of boring. Yeah. But, but what it does though is it it decreases the 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 amount of money that needs to be paid for travel. If they wanted to go down to Charlotte and they wanted to go to Hershey a lot more and they wanted to go maybe Iowa or you know, more games in Pennsylvania. So what they do is they keep everything close and they play these teams that are locally more often because of the fact is that they need practice time. So they would rather have everyday practices and a short bus trip 
than having once or twice or three times a week practices and then you, you know you kind of balance that with with um with uh bus travel so it, it really doesn't work out for develop i think it's smart i mean I, I just don't like seeing the the uh the springfield thunderbirds <laughs> 12 times it's just it's right. annoying but i i do get it i mean i understand it as a business and so on but um it just it, three goaltenders is tough you know yeah. it's, it's really tough and so I, I my my theory is 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 he plays in the American Hockey League, either he stays all and then possibly before July first um, gets moved at the draft for somebody that can give him an opportunity elsewhere to get that reach that NHL goal, um, maybe as a backup a full time backup you know and I hate saying that but I do believe that sometimes you need to I mean look at Austin Zarnick you remember him right. Yeah. The best thing about him being traded is he went to Calgary. And I, I, I believe he's going to get, I believe he's going to be on the roster when the Calgary Flames hit the ice for the 2018-19 campaign. And that's I good I think for him. so. He's been pretty decent, yeah, for the, the two games that they played. I mean, he played in both games. He was pretty good in both of them, so. Right. Yeah, so it, it just, it makes sense. I mean, you don't want to keep players around and, because they have goals. They have goals of reaching the highest level and playing on a consistent level. If you if you if you bury them in the AHL, they're going to get frustrated. They're not going to I don't believe play to their full capabilities, but it, it just it, it's got to be hard on something like that. So I, I just believe that when you move them out, give them an opportunity somewhere else, but you're also creating an opportunity for somebody different in the in the organization to come in and fill that and fill a role and and like Dan Vladar I mean I am very impressed with Dan Vladar and I, I tweeted about that the other day um yeah actually last night that I was really impressed with with the way that the goaltending all levels whether it be Jeremy Swayman at UMaine uh, Vladar down in Atlanta last season or McIntyre up here um I really like the addition of um, former goaltender at National Hockey League goaltender Mike Dunham and his hire last year um, when he came in to assist uh, Bob Asenza in the goaltending roles. And what, what uh, Dunham does is Dunham is a more or less a freelance coach. He'll spend some time up in UMaine where he went to uh, college and, and, and sit with um, Swayman, teach him some things. And then after a couple of days, he'll go down to Atlanta or Providence and or – Oshawa and see these goaltenders and, and just, you know, get them a feeling of what a pro needs to be like when they're training and, uh, and what the expectations can be when you get to that point. So um, I, I thought that was a really valuable addition. Uh, I'm still not, I'm still not happy that the Providence Bruins don't have a full-time um, American Hockey League goaltending coach. I know. I think that's crazy. I don't understand that. And like I said many times in the past on, on previous uh, podcasts, I think that that could have been a big problem with um, with Malcolm Subban. Yeah, I would agree. You know, so hopefully something changes. But but with with the addition of of um, of Dunham, I, I'm seeing a lot of good things. Like I watch, like I've always mentioned several times probably that I watch a ton of hockey, even at the college level. <laughs> I watched Jeremy Swayman. He, that kid went in there as a freshman and overtook a guy, a junior. And granted the, the, the humane, they, uh, in my opinion, they haven't 
um, recruited the best. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think that uh, Swayman really took a hold of that and said, listen, I'm the last line of defense. This is what I have to do to make this team successful. And he ran with it. I mean, since day one, he was a starter. I think he got coach um, uh, Red Gendron, I think that's his name, uh, to really get a close eye on him and just say, listen, we need this guy in all the time. And, and look what happened. I mean, half the season in, he played really well and got got an invite to the uh, the United States, Team USA's uh, World Juniors. I mean, he didn't. Right. Pl- he played a very little bit. I mean, only like I think a couple minutes. But you know, that that's still that's still something to be proud of. And now was he? I can't remember. I I was kind of following the prospect challenge, um, but did he did he play in one of those games? Okay. This is this is very good question. Very proud of you. Uh, but here's the thing. The NCAA has a rule. That's right. If you participate in any professional um, events after a certain time frame, um, you can you can participate in development camps. But once you go to like a rookie camp or a an NHL training camp, they consider that event a professional atmosphere. And if you're there, they can, uh, like you, Maine, will literally pull Swayman's uh, scholarship. Uh, okay. I, 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 I thought that was the case. I couldn't remember because I, I didn't remember seeing him, but I was like, I couldn't remember 100%. So Yeah. I mean, I mean Jeremy, Jeremy's a great kid. Had him on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Um, he, he was really cool. And I met him a couple of times at development camp in the locker room, sat down and got an interview with him. He's a very, very bright kid. Um, always, always applauding his coaches above himself, which I thought was very, a very interesting thing about that. It was like, I talked to a lot of goaltenders from being a former goaltender and, and they're always like, I did this, I did that. I did this. I worked on that. Jeremy was a little bit different. He wasn't like so full of himself on, on his training and, and his progression through his years of playing in goal. He really, really brought it back to his coaching staff to where he is today. And I, I thought that was really good. And it caught my attention to be like, you know what? I like this kid, number one, for his personality. But I like this kid, too, because he's, he's laying it out in the line and not like being that that goaltender that we're all crazy. Goaltenders are notoriously nuts. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, I mean, he's just not that 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 typical prototypical goaltender. So I I look for really good things. I and I'm always an education first kind of guy. You know, I I would you know, people would call me crazy, but I would love to see Donato stay in school and graduate. And then, but if you get to that point, then everybody or a lot of Bruins fans are like, oh, look what happened to Jimmy VC, blah blah blah. You know, it's just it, it's it's a nightmare to even talk about, but. Yeah, but I don't see. I mean, I could never imagine that happening with Ryan Donato, even if he chose to stay in Harvard yeah, and finish exactly. out. There was, there was I, no. I, I would never have seen that happen. So. I think his dad would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But but like like when you going back to Swayman, I mean, even if he if he if he stays till his junior year and just says, "Hey, listen, I want to go pro," I believe at that time. Um, in two years, I, I believe that it will or could be 
availability at one of the pro levels. I don't want to see him down in the East Coast Hockey League, but look what happened to Vladar down there as the only pros- only Bruins prospect. I mean, he got right. a lot of shots, got a lot of work. I thought he played very well, even though his record and, and goals against and save percentage weren't really great. That's indicative of the team in front of him. Once, right. you, once you get him involved in the Providence Bruins on a full-time basis, I think you're going to see a really, really special kid. And and when he did cover, because you remember when Anton Hudobin got sent down because he wasn't yeah. playing good, or somebody got injured, and then McIntyre went up for 12 games, the whole shifting, well, that also went down in the, in the minor levels too. And Vladar got up and, and, and played a half a dozen games. I'm sorry, probably about a dozen games in two years, and you know had a six and two record. He had some he had some really good goals against and really good save percentage, but that's just that's just how it is. That's how a player like him evolves because th- he sees what's going on in front of him. He sees like, oh my god, these guys are really trying that much harder. I have to do the same. So right. I re- I really think that he's gonna he's gonna be something special this year for the Providence. I thought he was pretty impressive in the game to uh, the game against Washington. So yeah, I mean, I thought he did an excellent job. Yeah, I, I like the way that he he's a big kid. Oh yeah. my god! Uh, you know, what? I gotta send you a picture. Uh, I'll do it on Twitter. Uh, uh-huh. I I interviewed him, and and you know, I'm a five eight, I'm a five eight fat guy. I, I like beers and I love my food. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you see him, he just towers over me. It's it's so funny. But he's such a great kid. He complimented on my tattoos. He loved those. And uh, I just, I really look forward to seeing him more often on a regular basis. But, you know, he's, I just think that he's, he's really ready and, and he's going to take this um, uh, to another level. Um, how about Ryan Donato? Let's talk about him. Where, where, where would you like to see him play and even though he's still considered a rookie, do you think that, I mean, would you put him on a bottom bottom six? No, you I put, wouldn't. Where would you put him? I'd put him on a line with Krejci and Donato. I mean, uh, uh, DeBrusque. See, that's, that, that's, that's, that's a very popular answer, and I respect that. Um, and I or, think that... Or a third line. I mean, I I don't think. I mean, even the second, the third line. I wouldn't put him on the fourth line. No way. No way. No. But my my thing is like I I would like to see him on a third to start, and if and if he's really doing well, I would you know obviously, you know say hey, let's move you up and see where you fit. Let's give yeah. you a couple, let's see if you get you a couple of games with Krejci and Dabrowski. And I mean, he, I think that it, makes sense, yeah, to kind of make him earn his, you sure, know, sure. or earn his spot or whatever. Because the other thing is, too, is that I'm just kind of curious as to what's going to happen with Anders Bjork. So, because, I mean, we haven't seen him yet. I know that he's still rehabbing from his shoulder surgery. I'm, I'm hoping that he gets in at least a couple of preseason games. I would imagine he would have to. But, so, yeah, I I, I – I I think you're right. I think maybe putting Donato on a third line and then just kind of seeing how he how he does and yeah, if he does really well, then move him up. But yeah, I, I like it. It's 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 a great problem to have, and I know I keep saying it, uh, but I I really can't predict on 
and I'm not good at predictions anyway. I really don't try to do them. But when I sit down, sometimes when I'm just sitting on the couch watching watching TV, I'll grab a pen and a paper and I'll just kind of you know jot down uh, a lineup. And then all of a sudden, I'll look at it and be like, "Oh my god, how am I missing this guy?" Right. You know, and, and, and particularly it's Anders Bjork, and it's like you know he's Anders does have the NHL skill. He just needs more time. I think this first year was a little rough for him in his rookie year. Yeah. Two injuries, you know, and and I I, I liked what he, I saw with him and um, uh, Marshan and Bergeron on the first line. I mean, but it's so weird to say that it's like I, I can't even figure out where he's going to fit. I know. Even if he sits down, like 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 you said, if you put Donato up on the second line. I would think that Bjork would be okay in the third. And and like like we talked about, you know, if you're playing well, well then you get promoted. I, I think that's the same for him. And if and if, if Danton Heinen happens to win the job on the right wing on the on the first line with Berge and Marshan, or he fails miserably, there's gonna be jockeying in for positions. And I think that the, the early part of the season, that's the time when Bruce Cassidy really has to look at what he's got in front of him. And just say, listen, this isn't working. There's no chemistry here. We're going to move you here and here and here. The sad thing about players like Anders Bjork is he's still under a, an entry-level contract, which it, it benefits the organization when, you ha- when you're operating on a 23-man roster to say, well, the only other place you can go is the AHL. Right. And that's unfortunate. I don't want to see him go back because – there's so many people I know that rip on players that that get returned to the AHL and then, it, but it's a development league. They need more time. There's nothing wrong with going down, but I know I don't get that. I honestly I don't understand that. It's like you're gonna you're you're gonna rag on a guy because he you know maybe he started off in the NHL a little bit too soon, so they throw him down to the AHL to get a little bit more seasoning and maybe get his confidence back up. And then, you know, he does really well down there and then, you know, he, he comes back up, but you're still going to be, you know, say, oh, well, that guy has to go down to the AHL. He's, he's a scrub. I mean, I just don't, I don't get that. I, I, I don't understand that whole mentality, but whatever. Yeah. Like I, I, I see value in the whole organization up and down. I don't, I don't just cater to the NHL. I like to see the middle of the organization and even the lower in the prospects because they all have a role in on this team, uh, whether it's on the NHL or not. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, this is so, I mean, let me just, let me say this. Like, three or four years ago, I could probably tell you exactly the lineup. What what, what will happen on October 3rd if, if, if they particularly have, were starting against the Washington Capitals. I could absolutely tell you the lineup. Now it's just like, no way. It's a puzzle I can't figure out. Yeah, I don't know. I know it's so funny because I don't even really I'm not even fully confident as to what they're going to do with the top line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are they going to keep that together or that uh, I'm sure at some point like once all the guys from China get back and they get integrated into which I'm guessing won't happen until next week sometime. Actually, um actually, I know got actually one more you, you watch the game today, right? Yeah. They ah love the crack. <laughs> they actually were on a plane back shortly after that game. I know. So 
That's I, crazy. I'm guessing, and I, I'm hoping that they'll at least be in town for Saturday's game. I think it's against Detroit, correct? It is, yeah. It's in Detroit, though. So I don't think I, they get back. They actually get back tomorrow morning at like two something in the morning or three something in the morning. And then they have two full days off. So they have all day Thursday and all day Friday. My guess is they may have kind of like a split squad go to Detroit to play that game. And then the whoever was, you know, here for the U.S. games will go to Detroit, whatever lineup they decide to send. And then the China the China team will probably stay here in Boston and maybe practice. Yeah. And then next week, then the whole team will, you know, will practice together. And then maybe some of those guys that were in China may end up playing. Cause I think the game after that is in Philadelphia. Yes. Um, so maybe they might start integrating some of those guys into that game. But so because they only have, I mean, they've, they've got four games left, like when they all come back for, uh, from China. So, yeah. but I can't imagine any of those guys will be ready to play in the game until like early next week. Before I get to my other question, what did you, what did you think about the China game? Did you enjoy them? I, I know the time wasn't particularly great, but. What do you think of the action and and the atmosphere and the and the and the hype? I thought, I mean, I thought the atmosphere was kind of interesting. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, both games seemed to be pretty sold out and everything. And I thought it was kind of funny that they were <laughs> they were so excited about things that we would normally be excited about. You know, like dump ins and I mean, it was kind of funny the things that some of the crowd was kind of ooing and awing about but um but I don't know I mean I have to say I I get why they're doing it and I totally understand it I just I wish almost that it happens earlier in before like the preseason because my concern is how it's going to ultimately like somewhere down the line kind of like affect the guys that went because it's a long trip it's an entirely different culture. I mean, two of the guys, you know, I mean, McAvoy didn't even play this morning because he was sick. DeBrusque was ended oh. up being sick like halfway through the game. Yeah, so who knows what's going to happen to some of the guys, you know, how, they, I mean, they're all going to be on a plane, you know, traveling 14,000 miles with two sick guys on the plane. Like, how is that going to, how is that going to kind of affect them? So I don't, I I'm, I mean, the games themselves were, you know, they were okay. They were, you know, somewhat entertaining, but I don't know. I mean, I'm just, it's going to be interesting because I think next year, I think the Capitals are the other team that have an agreement with ORG packaging to probably play games. But I, I bet anything that if they decide to send two other teams over, they'll probably do it a little bit earlier because, and especially like with all the, you know, all the stuff, the hiccups that they had with traveling over there yeah, and the bags. yeah, the equipment not that showing up, they had to cancel one practice and then one they had to have, you know, like five hours later. So, you know, it, that, 
When you're talking about guys that have a routine and that need to, you know, are really used to being on a certain schedule and everything, and that just kind of gets all thrown out of whack, like you just wonder how that's going to ultimately affect them. And, you know, I mean, LA and Vancouver went over last year, Vancouver now granted Vancouver, you know, is Vancouver and <laughs> it's no surprise that they didn't make the playoffs, but um, you know, and LA barely made the playoffs and they get swept in four games. So, you know, not to say that that was whatever, you know, I mean, that kind of caused it. But I'm sure that, you know, if your team doesn't end up having a great start to the season, you know, you can you can get in a hole early in the season and not be able to work yourself out of it. So, so that's my, my concern. So my other question is, have you ever traveled outside the country? Yes. Where have you gone? I have been to uh, – England, Ireland, Scotland, Italy, Greece, uh, Germany, France, Dominican Republic. Oh, man. Uh, I think that's it. I want to go with you on one of these trips next time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But no, I've, never, I've never flown, honestly. I love traveling. So here's my thing, okay? As a, as a person that's never flown, I mean, I, actually, I've flown in, like, some really cheap um, prop airplane from Bangalore, Maine to Sherbrooke, Canada. Oh, I hate it, those airplanes. Oh my God. It was so bad. It was so, I mean, we, we, we weren't even breaking like, um, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 feet. We were literally, you know, <laughs> oh my on, God. on top of the mountains, you know, and, and right at the time it was the, remember with the movie alive? Yes. <laughs> That's all I could think of. <laughs> it was so terrible. I'm like, oh, and the, and the, oh, the, oh, not jet lag. Um, turbulence. Oh, going through the mountains. It was yeah. just absolutely terrible. So, I I want to know, like, what does your body feel like? Because these guys are traveling from China, which I guess is like 19 hours or 20 hours or something like that. Oh no, it's not that long. It's it's, but it's. I mean, it's. It's not much better. It's like a 15-hour flight. Okay. All right. So, like, you've traveled. You've, you've done all this. Can you explain to me what you, what you feel like afterwards? It's interesting because, like, going over there, it's not so bad. Like, I I mean, I don't know how it, I've, I've yet to take a soup that long of a flight. I mean, I think the longest flight I've taken was – probably like 10, 11 hours. Like when I flew from LA to Italy, it's about a 10 hour, 10 hour flight, I believe 10 or 12 hours. So, I mean, you definitely feel, all right, you know, tired or whatever. And you tried, you tried to do whatever you can to get yourself on their time clock initially, um, to, you know, to, to minimize the jet lag so it kind of works when you're you're going to areas that the time is way ahead of you, but what ha But when you're coming back, and you know it's a twelve hour time difference from you know from here to to China. So when they come back, I, I mean personally, I experience jet lag more on my trip back to wherever I'm traveling from as opposed to when I travel there because then. I feel like my system's way out of whack. Okay. Like it's just, yeah, it's just, it, it's just a really, I don't know. It takes 
a good couple of days to kind of get back into a normal kind of feeling of, you know, whatever time zone you're, you're actually in. That's interesting. That's definitely interesting. I've, um, I never really thought about going anywhere outside of the country. I mean, my wife and I are thinking about um, going to Jamaica sometime, but I mean, that's only like a four or five hour, well, maybe even just four, but you know, it should be interesting because I've never flown. So hopefully there's a lot of alcohol on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> like if I pass out, <laughs> give me doubles for the first, first hour until I'm done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, what are your expectations for the for the upcoming year? Um, and would you be upset if they took a step back? Um, my expectations are for them to do at least as well as they did last season. Um, I but would I be upset if they took a step back? No. Um, would I be upset if they didn't make the playoffs? Yes, I'd be a little bit upset. If they lost in the first round, I wouldn't be quite as uh, as upset. But because you think about how many rookies they have on the roster that you know could potentially kind of hit that, as they say, the sophomore slump, and maybe not have as good of a year as they had last year. So I wouldn't be super surprised if they took a step back but i would hate them to have taken a step so far back that they didn't end up making the playoffs yeah i'm i'm pretty much almost the same i i'm more of less like like let's 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 get the system to work let's do what it takes to get to work and i'm not i'm just like i said earlier i'm not a rah-rah that needs to win a cup every year i believe that it time is needed um especially in a, in a time like this with, with these young kids, like you mentioned, uh, and there's going to be more kids coming like next year. Like I see Chara. I don't see Chara. Oh, maybe I should say that. Um, I, I, as much as I want them to like make that next step into the third round. And I think that'd be happy for everybody. I just, even if they make it to the first or the second, yeah, I'd be disappointed if they didn't make the playoffs at all. That, that, that's, that's a step back to me. Um, but in the progression of what's going on and what Don Sweeney and scouting and, and, and management are trying to do, it's just another, you know, cog in the wheel. Let's, let's, let's throw this one over the shoulder and let's look ahead. And I like the way that they, they bring that mentality on a year-to-year basis. Um, and, and so many times Don Sweeney has, um, you know, preached patience, 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 and um, – you just it's so tough to preach patience in a in a in a rabid fan base like the like the Bruins Nation, because they just I mean, we've gotten so in, in New England us New Englanders have gotten so accustomed to winning like like we have so many teams around us uh, outside of the NHL with the N, you know NBA the Major League Baseball and the NFL that you know if they can do it we can do it and I just don't think that that's right to keep thinking like that even though. Because you know we're all in New England, we all win as New England. Is is it's a different game, different setup, different mentality. So, um, I, I do want to see them do good, no matter what, no matter what. And I just I kind of lost where I'm going with that because I wanted to get to my next question. But <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think about Zidane Chara and and signing the um, the one year deal? And would you bring him back? 
I would. Actually, I would. I, but I will say, I mean, if I would hope that if they decide to bring him back, that it would be a little bit less than what they're paying him now, just because of who they're going to have to give contracts to next year. But I think, and I know people are probably going to think I'm crazy and, you know, I might get some like hate tweets after this, but I think that he is such an important part of that defense. And I think that he's vital to the other kids that are coming in, especially when, if you think about the, the veteran, you know, core defense that you'll have next year, you really don't. I mean, outside of Chara have, I mean, who's really going to be like that, that presence for you on, on the blue line. And I think that if, if they were to bring, if Chara ends up signing for another year next year, I would think that, you know, he probably wouldn't be, you know, maybe he'd be like on the the second pairing or I don't think that, you know, they certainly wouldn't be playing him the amount of minutes. And I'm hoping that they don't play him the amount of minutes that they played him last year that they will, you know, possibly need to do this year. So, but I think that you don't really have, you still Without him, your defense core is still pretty young. I mean, yes, you have Kevin Miller and yes, you have John Moore, but are they really going to be the ones that are going to fill that space that Chara fills? I don't think so. I mean, maybe. I certainly don't. I think that Charlie McAvoy is amazing and Brandon Carlo is really, I mean, he, he had a much better end of last season than he did kind of like early on. And it's such a shame that he has yet to play a playoff game. Cause I think that would have been so beneficial to him, but I think that you still have a very young blue line when you take Chara out of the picture, even with Kevin Miller and John Moore. So I really think that another year just one more year of char I really think would be beneficial and I am sure <laughs> people are gonna probably be like mom you're crazy but that's just how I feel and I'm gonna give you my rebuttal after we take a break so um we will be right back uh just a quick commercial break and um and I definitely want to touch on this so we'll be right back passion talent Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! And we are back. We was sharing deets, and uh, I had to make a correction on the Twitter account. It is uh, at R O N A D L A. That is her account. And um, uh, jumping back in on the Chara situation, there's a couple angles that I I, I I particularly like gravitate to when when talking about bringing them back. And first and foremost, it's it's his leadership and his guidance. Um, mm-hmm. as, as a person that's been around the team a lot more this year than I ever have before, I have really experienced 
what he's done um, in pointing out certain aspects of the game to younger players. Um, you really, I mean, you see it once in a while when the camera goes to, uh, you know, on Bruins games or in, in, um, in, in preseason games in the past. But when you're like at Warrior Ice Arena and you actually see him and you can hear him, what he's saying, it just, it brings me to another level of saying, wow, this guy is so invaluable. Right. I mean, to have a player like this and his leadership and his, and his tutelage, um, is, 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 is important. And I, I agree yeah. with you on that. But when you look at another angle, like salary cap, and, and I'm going to touch on what you said before the break, you know, if, if he does come down, I mean, he's at $5 million this upcoming season. If he drops down $2 million and plays his one more year at three, and, and by the way, I would really like to see the deals go year by year and evaluate. I do not want to see him lock up to a two or three year extension no i wouldn't either i agree with you on that but it's 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 the salary cap and then all right so you so you let's put it into perspective and 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 in in order so you got his leadership and his guidance then you get a salary cap Mm -hmm. and the next thing is for me it's it's that position um that could be hindering the progression of another player now I understand, and I know that you'll probably jump on me and maybe a couple others, that, you know, it, no Jakob Sboro or Jeremy Lawson or Connor Clifton, they're going to take over the job for, for, for Zeno, Zeno Chara. But what, what it kind of worries me about, and I'm a prospect guy, I'm, I'm sure you know that, but what it does to me, it makes me think that if they do bring him on another year, does that make one of these prospects expendable in a trade? Yeah, I see where you're going with that. And, I can see that, yeah. And and we do have a plethora of, of, of young talent, and I believe that they're all going to fit in into certain places. But, I mean, I think that when it comes down to a Chara contract extension or talks, for, for, for that matter... I think that that's really where it's going to bottleneck Don Sweeney and say, "Listen, if we if we bring him back, then we have to like we have to do something with somebody. If we don't bring him back, then that opens up a roster spot for somebody." So, and I and, and like you talk about John Moore and his addition, and you like that. I think that the John Moore addition was, um, in fact, brought into in case what happens to shower next season or in case of what happens to Tory Krug, if he gets traded, because they have that type of player that can um, not be a shutdown type of guy, but can be offensive. Right. So there's like, yeah. so ma- there's so many things that I think about when, 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 when Char- and I'm not saying like, I'm not the hugest Chara fan. I, I, I get I get he does great things in his offensive zone, but you know, I mean his possession numbers are pretty bad, and you know he is losing a step. But when you get him in the zone, he is shut down. He's always matched up against the, the other team's top lines, mm-hmm. and and that reach, that reach is like he's got the best reach in the league when it comes down to like breaking up passes in the lane, right? You know so. There's so many different things that I could go on and on about Chara that, you know, I, I just, I'm not the type of person that goes, no, we don't need him. He's slow. 
I really, I, but me, me as a person that just like explores so many other aspects of 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 hockey and and how it's constructed as a business, these are the things you have to talk about, right? Which I think is one of the things that I really like about like your your podcast is that when I listen to you and Rob and court kind of like work through things, it seems like you guys have like a really good solid foundation of, of, of just the game and, and the players and the logistics of everything. And, and I like, you know, hearing you, you seem to, I will say this, it's like you, I listen to a lot of other different podcasts and you guys seem to be the most grounded and most rational. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Once that I listen to, it's you're, you know, you're, you're not, I mean, there's some podcasts that I listen to where it's literally most of the podcast is just ragging on a player, which I'm, I, you know, I don't really want to listen to that all the time. Right. So, which is one, one of the things that I appreciate most about your podcast, I have to say. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And, and it, but that's that's one thing that I wanted to do when I started this whole thing um, back in the day. Uh, I wanted to be the the people that look at so many different angles when it comes to an argument, and not just one thing and focus on it. And it's normally hate. You know, like I hate the way this guy plays. I hate the. Yeah. I hate his attitude. I hate. Um, he's not progressing well. I hate that he was picked in the first round and he's, he hasn't been in the NHL yet. It, we we just I don't want to do that because it, it, then you're just a regular podcast. But um, what I like doing is, like you said, we we just like to break down and just like talk. We we're not rah rahs. We're not talking like like you know we're doing this to to favor anybody or carry anybody or you know, uh, we're getting paid by the team. It's just, that's the way we see things. It's just, that's how we break things down and, and evaluate on a, on a, on an opinion level. Right. Know? So, yeah. Which it, I appreciate as a fan, yeah. you know, cause, I mean, I follow, you know, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I follow a lot of people on Twitter, like sports writers and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, you see some things that people put out there and you're just like, really, really? Yeah. That's why I keep <laughs> scrolling. <laughs> it's like ugh, so frustrating sometimes but you know it, it's just this is a good problem to have it really is i mean we could definitely be the 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 ottawa senators you know oh, and it dumps the fire and i i would so much good rather Lord. be in this situation that when our franchise has so much positive things for the future not not addressing the now, but the future. I mean, right. like in Ottawa and what's going on there is like, I mean, oh, I, I, I just I just heard Mark Stone wants yes. a trade. Yes, I heard that too. He just I signed heard- a one year deal, and it's like now he wants out. Yeah, I yeah I saw that today. I mean, I, I mean. It's crazy. I mean, then it's just a dumpster fire up there. I mean, I can't imagine. It's like, yeah, okay, now you have Mark Stone. It's like, okay, when when is, you know, Bobby Ryan going to say he wants to be traded out there? When is, you know, Matt Duchesne going to say 
exactly. I mean, it's just, it is crazy what's going on up there. It really is. I, I'm, I'm under the impression, honestly, and we're probably getting off track because I have a buzz, but <laughs> um, it, it, I, I really think that that team's not going to be there much longer. I almost hate to say it because yeah, I, I love the NHL. Surprised. I really do. I know it'll be interesting, though, because I keep hearing that, you know, when there were some early on in the summer when all this stuff was kind of happening with, you know, with the Mike Hoffman thing and, you know, and then the one of the assistant GMs or whatever, um, somebody was saying that, you know, Gary Bettman wouldn't let – they, you know, wouldn't let them leave Ottawa or something, or I don't, I'm so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that team, if they left Ottawa, I mean, I really, how much longer can you kind of put up with that? All ownership, the stuff that ownership. Up? It's just, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, and when you talk about Gary Batman and, and, and teams, he's just like, Oh, they're not going anywhere. He's playing that uh, Arizona Coyotes card every time. No matter, uh, no matter if he's talking about the Carolina Hurricanes, yeah, or the Ottawa Senators, or any any team that seemingly is not doing well. I mean, you know how many years the Florida Panthers were were terrible. It's, yeah, it's finally good to see that new ownership came in. They have a plan, and they're 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 you know relying on that plan, and they keep going. And, right. and, and believe it or not, I've said it a couple times on the past shows. Watch out for watch out for Florida. Yeah, you know, I mean, they could I, be they, they could definitely be one of those players in the uh, in the Atlantic that could give uh, a player like I mean, a team like Boston some problems. Oh uh, yeah, and, sure, and, Buffalo too. I yeah. mean, all the the additions that Buffalo made. I mean, I watched the game the other day, and they're uh, I mean, even without Connor Sheary, they're a pretty decent team with all the additions that they've made and. For some reason, Buffalo just seems to be one of those teams that, like, Boston just doesn't – I don't know if they just don't – they don't respect them enough or they just – that's the one thing that always frustrates me is when they play down to their competition. That's exactly what I was going to say. Ugh. Sharon, that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Drives when, me nuts. When you play a team like the Carolina Hurricanes, the Florida Panthers, or uh, a team that's not doing well, it's you, you play down to that competition and uh, look what happens. You lose. Drives me nuts. It's almost like it you walk in there nonsense. thinking you're gonna get that W, and yes. you you haven't even started the game yet. Yeah, exactly. And it dry. It's so frustrating. Like those are the games that frustrate me the most. Is like you. Those are the games you're supposed to win, and then you just go in there with this lackadaisical attitude, and you don't put in the effort, and lo and behold, you lose yeah. because you're not. Uh, that's. That's one thing when you were talking about consistency earlier, that is definitely one of the things that I want to see more of is a consistent effort every night by the team. Because if there was one thing that was kind of, and granted, you know, I mean, we ended up winning so many of those games, but you think about how many games we played last season where we were playing from behind and, and we, you know, we fought our way back and won. But I think that, you know, to a, to a certain degree, I think that ends up biting you in the rare end later on in the season when you're so consistently playing from behind and you're 
you know, I think that just wears on you after a while. Like, I can't imagine that that just doesn't catch up with you, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, where do we go from here? <laughs> do, you, do you have any questions? Um, let me see. I did jot down some interest. I, I did some, I did jot some th- things down. We talked about, we kind of, kind of talked about Bjork. Um, we definitely talked about Chara, uh, third line center. We kind of talked a little bit about, um, oh, you know what? I kind of, I wrote down a little thing about Krejci, um, because I'm a Krejci fan. Me too. And, you know, I had listened to like a few podcasts and, you know, saw a few things that were kind of written about what his comments were like early on, uh, you know, and people were asking him about the whole John Tavares thing and everything. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of read it as he was, I didn't really feel like he was disappointed that the team was going after John Tavares I felt like, I mean, if you listen to his comments and stuff, he was saying that the Bruins had never reached out to him. They never really kind of told him what was going on. They never, and, you know, if they wanted to trade him, they would need to talk to him about it because he has a no movement clause. So, and nobody reached out to him to let him know kind of what was going on. So I felt like that was kind of more of what he was commenting on. Not the fact that he was disappointed that they were going after him, but the fact that nobody really let him kind of know what the plan was if they happened to acquire John Tavares. So, and I felt that the media just kind of jumped on the fact that he said that he was dis, he didn't even really say he was disappointed. He just said that he didn't know what was going on. And then he started getting all these nasty messages from people like telling him to ask for a trade. Yeah, on Instagram. So, yeah, so I just felt that I felt that that whole kind of thing was a little bit twisted around, and I, I don't know. I mean, I I understand people's you know things about Krejci. Oh, he gets paid so much and blah blah blah, and just you know trade him and trade his you know get rid of his cap. But first of all, you can't trade him because he has no move, no movement clause. And then, okay, unless you're you're first of all, unless you get his approval for a trade and you're going to trade him for an equal or better player, then there's no way you're trading David Krejci. Right. Because you have no second line center to replace him at this point. Absolutely. I mean, no, nobody's going to come in there fit that role. Um, no. no, no rookie. Um, John Corrales not going to do it. Mm. Um, you know, Nordstrom's not going to do it. No, it, it's going to be, it's going to be somebody that's going to come in and, 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 you know, if you're going to trade him. Then it's it's got to be somebody coming back that's either equal or better. One hundred percent. And my thing about the whole Krejci thing is, um, the Bruins had a seat at the table on the John Tavares thing out in California. Okay. Yes. Everybody knows that. I mean, it's, it's great experience for uh, Don Sweeney and staff to. I mean, even though that they didn't get him, they sat there and they learned something that day. And I've said this many times before. They can bring that experience into next in the next summer's uh, free agency, if you want to add a, a decent player because the the um, the pro, uh, not the prospect but the uh, the free agent class is so much better 
uh, next season than it is this this year that was highlighted by John Tavares and so many others. Right. But my thing is, is like Krejci, you know, sometimes I, 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 I love the player. And I, I am not a contract guy. I don't bitch about contract money. I, I'm not, I, I don't either. It's like I, it's, it's not coming out of small. my pocket. It's yeah, not, exactly. You know, I mean, I go to the games, not many, but you know, I buy the I buy the the merchandise, whatever. If that fact is into a salary, whatever. I don't I don't care. But it's not directly coming out of my bank account to pay him. So I'm right. not. I don't reserve the right to bitch about that. What I do complain about. Is what he might what he might have said or led on to say, and I and I want to break that down. Like what you what you explained is he said something about not being approached. Well, let me tell you something. He wasn't approached because they didn't sign him. Right. They sat at the table. They had their talks, and and I I sent in and asked thirty one. Um, do you listen to uh, Jeff Merrick and um and um. Oh, Elliot oh, Friedman. Ellie yes, Friedman. I do. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that save. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I listen. Those to guys them. are great. Yeah, absolutely yeah, great. Yeah, they are. They're you great. know, Jeff's awesome, uh, a hockey guy, and he's awesome in the prospects. And and um, and Elliot is just an all-around mastermind when it comes to contacting people and getting the information. Yeah, I really like him a lot. But Elliot, Elliot told me, he said, Mark. If you have the opportunity to sit at the table with John Tavares, be prepared to make adjustments to your cap to facilitate him coming into your lineup. Right. Now, if it's not Krejci that's not says no, I don't I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, waive my no trade clause, then it's somebody else. Right. Exactly. So, so I don't understand why everybody when you're talking about JT, they automatically go crazy. I know. You know, I, I mean, mean, I mean, it this... could have been like a handful of other people that they could have been willing to move to make that work. Like, yep. and the thing is, is that they probably wouldn't have needed to really make that many roster changes to make it work for at least a year. So you get him, if you end up, you're lucky enough to, you know, that he decides to sign with you, then you basically have a year to kind of figure it out. But also, on the flip side of that coin, Sharon, you also have a year of 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 a, of a hockey season, and and uh, and what you do in that season. If you yeah. if you come out bang, you're in the playoffs and you make it to the third round, and hey, Stanley Cup. Of yeah, course, of course that guy's gonna sign. Oh yeah, but no, if you don't true, if you yeah. don't make the playoffs, what does that do? And what did you yeah. give up to get that player for a guy that says, "Oh, this team isn't what I I thought it would be." Now, now it's a casualty. Now you've basically got, and I don't want to put it in this situation because I do not harp on player injuries. I am I am not a person of saying I hate Rick Nash because he's not playing. My thing is, is he got injured. Things happen. Life happens shit happens whatever right but i don't want to see the bruins do that for a rental no i'm what i'm saying is john Tavares. like if you had signed him as an unrestricted free agent he wouldn't have been a rental but you would it you would have only had to have moved a few pieces to try to make it work where you could still have had bergeron Krejci, and Tavares as your three centers and then figured it out 
later as far as like figuring out the whole cap issue of it to get, you know, all the other pieces that you need to have signed, signed like McAvoy. And that's what I was saying. Yeah. You know Not what? Tavares as a rental. No, you right. never, never want to do that. Yeah, and he signed with Toronto as a free agent, and not it wasn't a trade. I messed that whole thing up, but thank you for for correcting me. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> um. Oh boy, I'm like out of things to talk about. Oh, this has been so fun. <laughs> I know, I know, I really enjoy this. Um, what what about Bruce Cassidy? Um, what do you think that? In my opinion, all right, when I talk about Bruce Cassidy, Bruce Cassidy and Kevin Dean and Jay Pandolfo and even Dave, uh, I think it's Joe Sacco, mm-hmm. those guys are all brought into, well, especially uh, Cassidy, Pandolfo, and Dean. I think those guys were brought into the organization coach, the organizational coaching staff to prepare for all these guys and these young kids that are going to be inserted into the lineup when veterans are, are, are have departed or retired, you know. So um, what do you see in this coaching staff that you might not have seen in a coach like uh, Claude Julian or any of the other Bruins coaches in the past? Um. Well, as far as like the difference between what I see now and Julian, um, I don't really know if I can speak to before Julian because I wasn't really. I, I mean, I would watch games periodically, but I wasn't super kind of following the team as I am now. But I would think I, I think the most the, the biggest difference is that they really play with a, a pace. And I really feel that the D gets more involved in the rush up as opposed to, you know, we're in there when they're in the defensive zone, as opposed to just kind of going D to D to D and then, you know, working your way out of the zone that way, they're looking for more upward passes that kind of, you know, it's like, so the D is only making maybe like one pass to get out of the zone and then they're moving the puck up and then the D moves with them, which I'm hoping that they still, you know, kind of continue with. Because I think when you have a five man attack, as opposed to just, you know, kind of having the D sit back and you're, you know, just three guys up, if you can manage to get the puck over the blue line into the other zone, then. So I think that's the biggest thing I notice. Um, I also, notice that and I don't know if this is just because of you know Don Sweeney wanting to make sure that we're implementing some of the younger guys into a lineup or whatever but I do feel that Bruce is a little bit more lenient on if players make mistakes like if a player makes a mistake in the first period, if he turns over a puck or whatever, you're not going to basically see him benched for almost the entire game. And then you throw him out there, you know, which I think that Claude kind of did. And, um, and I think that Bruce has a less of a tendency to rely on the veterans and really trying to get the younger guys, you know, more experienced in all situations and not, 
that's one of the things that I liked about like last season was that I felt that he ended up putting out the fourth line a lot, you know, and even in, you know, end of the game situations where you're, you know, you're trying to retain a lead or whatever. I felt that, you know, the fourth line guys played a lot and they had, they had a lot of ice time. So, and I felt that they were trusted in certain situations. And I think that if you're, if you're able to really, really roll like four lines consistently, I think that just makes it a better game and it just makes your players better. So I feel like those were like the kind of like the bigger, bigger changes that I saw between the coaching styles. I mean, I think that Butch has a little bit more of a leniency and he's a little bit more apt to kind of give players a little bit more of an opportunity if they happen to make a mistake to correct those mistakes the next shift. He's not so inclined to kind of like staple them to the bench if they, you know, if they do something terrible. Yeah, and, and I love I love the way you touched on the 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 fourth line being so important and, and being used more. Um, I mean, you know, as a, as a diehard Bruins fan, that the, the Boston Bruins had the, the best top line uh, of Marchand, Bergeron, and, and Pasternak last season. Oh, and my God. They, they, yeah. also, they also had many people talking about that fourth line, too. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you talk about having four lines of, 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 of offense, the, those two middle lines of, of, of the offensive core are the ones that are critical. And, yeah. and the ones that need to be, I don't want to say better, but, you know, see, my, my whole thing is, is like, if you move, if you move past an act down to the second line, what you, what are you doing? Now you're creating two lines of potent offense. Yeah. Instead of relying on one line. And then, yeah. so, but going back to what you were talking about, I mean, talking about Bruce and, and leniency and then words like words like that is when, now, when I talk about Bruce and what I hear about players is they're saying that he's letting us play. Yeah. He's letting us be our own player. And if we make mistakes, yeah, you know what? There's a discussion on the bench. Here's what you should do. Here's what you could have done. Let's improve on that. And But he's right. not the type of coach that's going to sit a player at the end of the, at the, end of the bench and, and, and be short. He, he's going to be that type of play, uh, coach that's going to, let you give you the opportunities to get better. And if you don't get it by the third period, you know, when, 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 when it's, when it's, or, you know, if you're, if you're down four to one or you're winning four to one, he's going to give you that, you know, a couple minutes at, at, at the end of the game that you're not going to, you know, you're not going to see any ice time, but he's not the type of player coach. Sorry. I keep saying player. He's not that type of coach. That's going to say, Oh, you fuck, you screwed up in the, in the, uh, in the first period you're not seeing any ice. That's just, you yeah. Know. And how does that help a development, especially on a younger guy? I mean, all that does is just crush their confidence. Like i.e. Ryan Spooner. Yeah, exactly. And now, yeah. And granted, I mean, I'm, I'm not sad that Spooner left. I'm not either. So I, I, well, I, me and you were going to get along. He's not, he's not <laughs> missed at all, but but yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like, I mean, the whole point, especially when you're bringing up a rookie and, you know, and early on, it's like, 
they have to work through those mistakes. They have to know what they're doing wrong. It's in, stapling them to the bench does no good. Like how does that, that doesn't further their development at all. Nope. Absolutely. And, and I believe that moving a coach like him and firing him or whatever they did, I don't, you know, I don't care what they did, but it was a good move. It was a great move, but it also bring in Butch Bruce. I, I think what that does is, is like I said earlier that him and um, and Kevin Dean and Jay Pandolfo, they're they're very um, youth guys. They they yeah. come up they come up through the system from the Providence Bruins, and they made it to the NHL bench. So yeah. what I believe is like if if there's um, a young player that is a free agent, I think that there's a better opportunity for him to be more enticed to be happy about potentially signing as a Boston Bruin than he would in previous years with another coach when, you know, you, you kind of sit back and go, well, I, man, this, this Boston team is really good, but that freaking coach, he doesn't play the young guys. Right. So that, that type of player that you could be talking to, you know, in, in enticing and kind of courting, him to come to Boston might say, I don't want to play there because your coach doesn't believe in the youth. Right. So, I mean, I think that this is a, uh, him being hired uh, and definitely coming off the interim thing and, and being a full thing is, is good. And it, it's just indicative of what they did last, some uh, last, last season with a 112 point season. And I mean, things could just get better from here. Um, you know, I've I've seen Bruce a couple times. I've not had the opportunity to talk to him because it's some weird feeling that I can talk to a player in the locker room, but I can't talk to anybody in management. Oh, really? I stutter <laughs> so bad. It's almost like I'm talking to the high school principal. Right. <laughs> I mean, my words come out so bad. I'm just like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll, you know, I'll, I'll definitely get better with more exposure, and I hope I get more right. exposure this season. I really want to do. My goal is to get a one game, one game in the press box on level nine at the TD Garden, and I'll be happy. If I get more than that, then, then I, I'm, I'll be a, a Boston Terrier, so happy in heaven. You know what I mean? But I, That'd I, be awesome, yeah. I really want to get there, but these guys are just so well organized. These, they have a plan, they have a structure and they're really putting everything together. And I just love what I'm seeing. I love when I talk to people about it, whether they're on the team or not, if I'm rubbing elbows with somebody that's in the, you know, that's in the, in the Boston media that covers the team. And, you know, there's just so much positive things to talk about, about this team and the growth of this organization. So, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I, I'm always looking forward to every year. And I got a question for you. I mean, maybe it's me because I, cause I'm always doing something hockey related, whether it be a podcast or writing or, 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 you know, organizing a team of, of 20 writers on the website. But did this summer go by fast for you at all? Yeah, it did. It's it, yeah, it's weird. I mean, it did. I mean, I've, I wasn't working the summer or so, but it still went by kind of fast. I mean, all of a sudden I realized that it's almost, I mean, it's the 19th of September. Like literally it was just my birthday, which is in the middle of August. And it's just crazy. Yeah. 
the yeah, summer I'll, did go by pretty fast. So yeah, all of a sudden it was like so the, about, so. yeah, the I mean the Tampa Bay series was over. They beat us. It's you know blah blah blah. It was tough, and I'm like, wow, I can't. You know, October is going to be a long time away, but all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> damn, that went fast. I know. I that's what I was thinking too. After the Tampa Bay series, was like, oh god, this is going to be such a long summer. It's going to be so dreadful, and then all of a sudden here we are, and you know, it's two weeks before the opening, you know, opening season and preseason is upon us, and it's awesome. So oh, I know I'm so I wish excited. They, like I. I wish the NHL, the, you know, the NHL network or the game center or whatever, I wish they would stream all of the preseason games. Maybe next season they will, but because last night's game against Washington was, I was blacked out for me. So, I mean, they replayed it today, which is fine. So I ended up watching it earlier today, but still it's like, you know, you play for, you pay for all season access. Like, yeah, that should include preseason. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you said you're in Norwood, Mass, right? No, I'm not in Norwood. I'm in the South End. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm thinking about my buddy Brian on the, uh, the Ride the Pine uh, podcast. You know, the beer I'm drinking is from Norwood, Mass. Oh, that's what it is. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. But you, but that's so weird that you're on a market. I know. I thought so, too. It was crazy. And that's actually I... not the first time I've heard that. I've heard people in Worcester being saying that they're on a market. I don't know if it's just because it's, I don't know. It's, I, I, yeah, it's just weird. So I'm not quite sure what happened. So, but whatever. I mean, they replayed the game today. So I watched it earlier today. So that's fine. Yeah. I'm actually, I actually just got done watching it um, on the NHL network uh, just a couple minutes ago. So yeah, it was good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's going to do it, Sharon. I don't want to, um, keep going on and just you know creating topics out of our heads no but, that's uh, okay uh i just want to thank you so much for taking the time today and and even going back to last week and figuring out a time when we could actually do this and and um again i really really appreciate it and i actually really want to have you back sometime this next season so that would be awesome. I would love it. And it was funny enough because I was actually I was at the the game on Sunday when you were uh, uh, DMing me about setting this whole up. So oh, no like, kidding! Yeah. So so you and, got to see Zach Senishin's two goals up front. And no, personal. no, I was at the first Washington game on Sunday. So it was. Oh, the, that's right. It was the one we won two one. Yes. Where Dan Heinen won the. Uh, that was the McIntyre the, game. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. All right. I got you. I got you. Yeah, and it's funny because you were talking about uh, uh, predictions, and I predicted each one of the uh, the shootout players. And you got it. I got it. Nice. Yeah. Oh, so it was yeah. Kind of cool. yeah. Nice. All right, Sharon. Um, everybody, Bruins fans, tilt a beer. And uh, please follow her on Twitter at, I'm not going to say it because I cannot do it, but R-O-N-A-D-L-A. She's yes. a fantastic follow. Great Bruins fan. Uh, Thank you. Loves interacting. And um, I'm glad to have her uh, on the show and uh, as a friend on Twitter. So we will definitely get back together sometime this season. Um, I'll, I'll be in touch. Um, yeah. Would you be available for an emergency kind of situation oh, if somebody absolutely. backs out? 
Yes, anytime. Yes. And awesome. this was so awesome. It was just such a great experience. Thank you so much for letting me participate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm a big fan of bringing people on that have never done anything like this. So I am sure that the next time you come on, you'll definitely bring a higher level of uh, of hockey intelligence. Uh, <laughs> you know, as 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 no, no, I'm not saying, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that you're not. I'm I'm just saying that you you might be a little more comfortable after after having this under your belt and right. You know, so I, I look forward to talking to you again and again. I really, really, really do appreciate the time. And as always, I, I appreciate everybody that 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 makes the time to make this happen. And I, and I just love the fan interaction and I just want to keep it going. So, and I'm going to do this. I'm religiously going to do this. We are going to do our regular show every Sunday, which is no question, but I really want to do at least one beers and Bruins podcast and release it during the middle of the week. So, um, if anybody has a problem with their team and they, and they suck and, <laughs> oh, I hate the Bruins. Oh, oh, they're terrible. Then come on my show and vent, because I'll because <laughs> I'll I'll give it right back at you too. So, <laughs> but again, you please follow Sharon at R O N A D L A on Twitter. Her name is Sharon Deet. Sharon, thank you so much. I will thank talk to you, you soon. Thanks, thank, Mark. Thank you everybody for uh, listening in. And again, um. You know, we are going to do this every week. So if you're interested in something like this, please reach out to me on Twitter, on the DM, on the Facebook. Uh, send me an email, blackandgoldhockeyblog uh, at gmail.com. Talk to me and we'll get together. So uh, until next week, thank you very much. Thank you.